Let's return to our main story because the World Food Programme has paused life-saving food deliveries to northern Gaza, saying aid convoys have endured complete chaos and violence due to the collapse in civil order. The Israeli military ordered 1.1 million Palestinian civilians to evacuate northern Gaza and seek shelter in the south at the start of its ground offensive in October. Last month, the UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees, UNRWA, said at least 300,000 people who remained in the area depended on its assistance for their survival. Aid deliveries to the north since the ground offensive have been scarce and dependent on security clearances from the Israeli military. Well, let's speak now to Matthew Hollingworth, who's a representative for the World Food Programme, live in Jerusalem. Matthew, thank you so much for being here on the programme. So just explain for us uh, in a little more detail why you've taken that decision to pause food deliveries to the north. So um, thank you, Matthew. And I mean, first of all, it is a pause. It's not a permanent suspension. This is temporary in nature. Um, we need to fix a couple of problems that we were facing and have faced this week uh, in the two convoys we did get to Gaza City. Um, the two convoys came up uh, with two big, big concerns. First of all, and most importantly, when we did get into uh, Gaza City, um, unfortunately, um, people came under fire as they were receiving assistance. Um, you don't really uh, ever imagine that people can be so desperate, so hungry, um, and so you know, fearful of their own family's health that they're willing to run into machine gun fire to receive food assistance. Um, but that's what we uh, experienced when we got into Gaza City on Sunday and Monday of this week. Um, second of all, as you rightly said, we also came up against some very serious insecurity issues just getting into Gaza City because of the breakdown in law and order, which is down to desperation. It's down to, to you know, hopelessness, need, uh, needs you know, not being met outside of, the, of Gaza City as well. So those two concerns married together, um, worrying about the people we're there to serve, making sure that we're doing no harm uh, by providing them assistance, and trying to get that, that safety assurance that when people are going to be supported, they're not going to come under fire. That's our primary concern. And second of all, yes. making sure that our guards and truck drivers, our guards and staff, our international staff who are going in are also not coming under fire um, when they're providing life-saving aid. Two things in this question. Tell me more about the need in terms of what you've witnessed in the North and how distressing is it as a humanitarian to have to pause humanitarian efforts? I mean, the needs in Gaza City are phenomenal. Um, I spent four or five hours, traveled all around the city, met with lots of people. Um, they are desperate. Um, people were able to live off some stocks that were, that, that, that were still uh, in the basements of buildings, in the basements of shops, um, but unfortunately, that is no longer possible. Um, people were uh, able in the past to get hold of essentially chaff. Um, it, it was uh, animal feed, and they were using that animal, animal feed to make very basic flour to make bread. That ran out a week ago. So people are absolutely desperate for assistance, for food assistance. Uh, what we've been able to bring in so far is a drop in the ocean. What we need to be doing is sending in 30 trucks every single day, consistently, regularly, without pause, 
People need confidence and trust that yes. humanitarian assistance will, will get to them. And they also need to know that when it does, they're not going to come under fire. They're going to be protected. They're going to be safe. None of that exists yet. That's what we're negotiating to resolve. Once that's done, the pause will end and we will be back trying to pump as much food, flood food, into a place where famine is knocking at people's doors. A final quick question. You end by saying famine is knocking at people's doors, particularly in children, because uh, more stats on that released uh, by your organisation in the last 24 hours. And you must also be watching what is happening around Rafa with increasing alarm. Look, um, it's, we're talking about a very small area, um, 140 square miles. There is no safe area across the entirety of the Gaza Strip. People are in desperate need throughout the whole of the Strip. Um, but when you look at the, the, the level of deprivation in Gaza City, it is phenomenal. As you rightly said, we came out with a joint report with the World Health Organization and UNICEF earlier this week that showed that in a very short period of time, um, children are facing emergency levels of malnutrition, uh, and that should worry us all. When you add to that the fear factor on what will happen next in Rafa, potentially a million more people displaced yet again, people who've already been displaced, already lost their homes, and, uh, and been pushed around parts of the Strip seeking shelter and safety, and may have to do it again. It's an extremely worrying period. Um, Rafa, as well as our, our main entry point into the Strip, it's the, the artery for all aid that's going in, which has already been hampered in the last week because of protests and violence on the corridor where we, where we bring trucks into the Gaza Strip. Things need to change. We need more entry points into the Gaza Strip. We need guarantees of safety that when we can go, when we can get aid in, it can travel around uh, safely. And we desperately need to ensure that when we're serving people, those people don't actually face more harm uh, uh, and more violence through the provision of aid. They need safe uh, aid drop zones where when we provide the yeah. aid, uh, they can receive it and take it home to their families. Matthew Hollingworth, we have to leave it there, but thanks for talking to us here on Verified Live. Uh, we're grateful for your time.